At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. How about that new song, guys? We didn't talk about it yet. Hello and welcome to the episode <laughs> of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Yeah, this song's great. Alex, have you heard the song yet? What song? Our new intro song. That our, our, I, I then obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> is it good, though? Oh, man. Do people like it? I haven't got any comments that people are... Into hey it, people, so. we if you've even noticed so many times. Well, we said it care. under the pretense, like very consciously aware that he was not going to listen to it. I think he, he even wrote back to the email, yeah, yeah. not going to listen, just pick one. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I added the little bit of him crying in there because I knew he wouldn't hear it. <laughs> you could you could do so many things that I would have zero concept that it exists. That's a great point, actually. I'm looking forward to like your birthday this year because we're gonna do a birthday episode where the intro is just all things of you saying stuff you don't want to be released on radio. But whatever. Oh, you guys yeah. are really safe on that because look, I I cut the stuff that that's gonna get you in trouble. But the mm. reason you're really safe is I'm so. F- lazy there's no way i would go back through those audio files to find anything that could be embarrassing because i'm just not gonna do it yeah that's true (laughs) back to tim's addictive personalities (laughs) i don't know if that applies to addictive personalities i think that's just me being lazy i think yeah i think there's well you know procrastination yeah well okay Uh, talking about things that will get people fired well, we have a lot to talk about from the last race, but before we get to that, James, you had some stuff you wanted to tell our wonderful audience about. Yes, wonderful audience. We teased a little bit of the live show program that we have coming up. So we do have a live show that's going to be coming up end of April. Uh, the exact date is going to be April 21st. And the location is going to be inside a turn two suite at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And why this is cool, apart from just being at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is always a cool thing to do, is some of you may or may not know that the 20th and 21st is the IndyCar open test at the Speedway, preparation for the 500, uh, which means we are going to be opening the suite a little bit before the end of practice. So that way you can come out enjoy the sounds and sights of indie cars lapping the speedway at very fast miles an hour and then as Probably soon as our dear f- with me 
Um, yeah, no, you, you're sober now, so you're not, uh, you can't drink. <laughs> That'll be after my month. That'll be after my month off. I, I thought you could only <laughs> drink at race weekends. I said special occasions. This is not that special. Sometimes a special um, occasion is a Friday. Mm, okay. So anyway, you can get <laughs> drunk with Tim, uh, and watch, watch Alex do his thing for the last few hours of practice. Then once he is done, he will join us up in the suite and we will commence with the live show. So completely different than anything we've done before. Uh, and very excited to be able to offer some fans here in town uh, the chance to watch a little bit of IndyCar action from up in the suite. The details on uh, when tickets are going up for sale and costs and all that uh, will be coming out soon. We've got a new website we're going to be launching soon, so we'll let you guys know as soon as that is done. Just keep track of our socials until that time. Bear, bear with us. We have there's we're three very unorganized people, uh, but we we've got help now. So <laughs> Brent and Adam are helping us out now. So it's going to be a lot better this year. Uh, but yes, so keep track of our socials for that, and we look forward to seeing some of you there. All right, I don't. <laughs> Alex will be his regular chipper self. Yep. Alex, you seem like you're in a bad mood. Did something happen this weekend? I'm not in a bad mood. I was in a way worse mood last week. Um, you were in a way no. worse mood yesterday. <laughs> Was I? <laughs> or no, Sunday, I guess. It's on Tuesday now. But yeah, I mean, I was pretty mad yesterday, too. I poured myself. I was, um, you know, Glenn Karen's hmm. Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I poured myself the normal amount of bourbon. I haven't had a bourbon in, in a long time. Yesterday was a, it was getting increasingly worse as the day went on. Um, and so I just, uh, I just filled it. Like, <laughs> you did like me on the tastings when I didn't know any better. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> stop at the, you know, fat part. Like I just rimmed it. Um, yep. And it was great. It was great. It, Lovely. it didn't help. It didn't help anything. But uh, here we are. Um. So yeah, let's talk about. Well, let's okay. keep the, let's keep the listeners engaged in this show. So let's, let's talk about talk the about F1 the race. race. No. Oh, the F one race. Oh, okay. Let's talk about All the right. F one race. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You want to start on F one? Yeah. Let's well, yeah, keep because them, we want to the- keep them tuned in you want to keep tuned in the end hear all the sponsor all right. ads hold on i'm gonna to i'm gonna preface i'm gonna before we get into that i'm gonna preface because i had a few i saw a few things on twitter that made me laugh guys alex is gonna talk about it yeah okay? this isn't gonna be a sure don't this is situation. not gonna be a sure don't exactly right <laughs> so we're gonna cover f1 but we're gonna circle back and alex is gonna talk about it all right formula one australia what'd you think I mean, on paper, it looked boring because Max won from pole, but there was a little more to it than that. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. The, the race wasn't actually all that interesting, um, but I want to point out a couple of things. Really just two things. Number one, F1's red flag rules continue to infuriate me. It yeah. is absolute bullshit that you can change tires under a Correct. red flag condition. Like Correct. it is, it's asinine. And I don't understand. There's so many smart people, despite their stupid decisions sometimes, there's so many smart people at the FIA and at Formula One and in everyone that's involved, all the teams. Like I don't understand how the teams aren't making a bigger deal about this. Or the well, drivers. Because, like why is this? why is this an accepted thing that is okay? Are you talking about how they can work on the cars under red flag? Yes, but I'm talking specifically about being able to change tires. Yeah. So, yeah, you come in the pits for a red flag, the cars are parked there, and you can change tires to any tires you want, any compound you want. It, it counts towards your usage right. of the compound. Right. It satisfies the rule for using different compounds. 
and it is it is insanely dumb. The, the I want to say that we first talked about this like two years ago. I want to say it was like Imola. Maybe there's a there was a big pileup. Oh, it, was, it was Monza. It was Monza. Was it Monza? Yeah. Yeah, and it just it was like well, it just it Gasly won completely changes the complexity of the race but for the worse right like on a on a restart after red flag it's their standing starts in f1 but if you had cars on different compounds different age tires like it's going to mix things up now you just put everybody on stickers and they're usually going to go for whatever the best tires. So everyone's on the same strategy but that's not even that's not even the bad part of it. The bad part of it was the example in Australia that happened was George Russell. The cars that pitted before. My best, my best pal was leading, doing a great job, and t- took the opportunity to pit and get onto the hard tire, which could do the, the entire race. Made a strategy call. Made a strategy call and fell back to sixth, which was good. And he was probably going to be in a position to at least finish second. He probably wasn't going to beat Max, but he probably would have come back out in the lead and we would have had an interesting kind of little battle. Um, and right after he pitted, red flag came out and Lewis inherited the, well, inherited the lead when George pit and Lewis, Max, Fernando, Lance, et cetera, were able just to change tires. And then they were on the same strategy as, as George, but they didn't have the 26 second penalty for the stop. And it's just, it's, it's insane that that is accepted. Yeah, like there's, working there's, on working on your car, I almost kind of am okay with because like you might you might get saved if you get like if you break a toe link and you're able to get back or a front wing and the red flag happens. Like, yeah, why not like let them work on the car? But to actually make a, a, a strategy decision, yes, Jane. I'm still against because li- because literally no other series lets you do it. I get yeah. what you're saying. I no don't. Other think- series does standing starts. It's not a reason to. I mean, okay. No, well, no, no, no. But but I'm saying it's like under red flag in every other racing series, you just can't touch the car. You just leave right, it back. But, right. But at least this isn't. That is just allowing you to to get back in the race. It's almost like a lucky dog on a yellow, right? This, right. It's it's it, potentially saving a situation. It's not like actively hurting a situation, correct. which the tire rule does. Yeah. Right. There, right. There's no there's no discussion that be have here because to have to be had here because we all agree it's just it's dumb. I I don't know why it still happens. I don't but know at least why. F1, at least F1 is, you know, you know, having a discussion about reducing practice time because that's yeah, that's the important stuff. Yeah. Do you know what's so weird to me though is that a couple of drivers were like, "Yeah, no, this is a good idea." So Stefano Domenicali came out and said they're thinking about like canceling. He said canceling all free practice and basically just going straight into qualifying, super cup style, which I I don't think anybody I mean, that would never happen. But some of the dri- like some of the drivers, I think it was I Norris yeah. and Russell were like, yeah, yeah, we have too much practice time. It'd be more fun to just mix it up a little bit. Now their point, and I, I kind of get, it kind of makes sense when you think about who said it, two drivers recently out of the junior categories, they were like, yeah, in F2, you get almost no practice time. So give that time to F2 drivers and make it a little more challenging for the F1 teams. Because they say on sprint weekends, we do one practice session on Friday morning and then qualifying on Friday afternoon for the sprint race on Saturday. And like, yeah, for the most part, it's fine. It's a little harder to get everything sorted, but that might mix up the grids and that's cool. All right. I I kind of understand that. I can't see any promoters thinking that's a good idea. And I can't see any fans that are paying good money to go to the racetrack. Good money and then good idea for F1. Right. Like if I'm there on a Friday and I see one practice session instead of two, I'm going to feel like I should have to pay 50% of the ticket price that weekend, which I don't think is going to happen. So that one's a weird one for sure. Um, And then their red flag rules. That was a weird, 
Oh, sorry, not the red flag oh. rules. Their red flag discretion was a little questionable. <laughs> so what I don't... So to, to give the brief recap of what happened for those that didn't watch the race, there was a bunch of red flags for random reasons. Like, oh, the there's first one on the track. Shouldn't so have been a red. We're going to red yeah. flag it. So whatever. That's really irrelevant. Final restart happens with what, James? Three to go? Two to go? Two to go. And big cluster in turn one. And Carlos Sainz locks up a tire, ends up spinning Fernando around. No damage to either car. Um, and then there was an accordion effect and two Alpines crashed together and people went through the gravel and Logan Sargent just decided to drive into the back of an Alphatari for no good reason. Um, and Lance Stroll just pitched off in three because... Because why, why the hell not? Everyone else was going, going ham. So um, what the FIA decided to do based on what happened... Um, Last year in, I'm struggling to remember where, Silverstone. They basically, on a red flag restart, if there's a bunch of that goes down and happens, it's kind of similar to what IndyCar does at Portland, turn one. They revert back to the previous timeline, and anything that had happened after that point is kind of irrelevant. Well, they no one had gotten to a timeline. No, I think it was, I think it was, the entire field hadn't passed that Sorry. first timeline sort of thing. So they right. couldn't go. Yeah. Got it. Right. So what ended up happening was after quite, quite a bit of time, Fernando, who was at the time of this incident in third place, got his position reinstated because... Yes. So he had spun and fallen back he had, to he had spun 12 or whatever. Yeah. He got his position reinstated because nothing in the FIA's mind, up until that point, counted. Yet, somehow, Carlos Sainz still gets a five-second penalty when the race ended in single-file fashion under safety car, which meant he crossed the line in fifth, fourth, yeah. and dropped basically to the end of the line because everyone was stacked up against each other. And Carlos and Ferrari's point is, well, if you're giving Fernando's spot back because none of it actually counted then how on earth do I still receive a penalty? It never happened, right? Never Essentially, happened. the lap never happened. And because the car continued and neither car had damage. Even though yeah, it was completely I, Carlos's fault. 100%. It was Carlos's fault, but it didn't happen. As, as far as the FIA is concerned. Yeah, the the FIA erased it. Just, they just hit undo, control Z, and they undid it. And so Man, I... Man, thank God we don't have any weird calls like that in IndyCar. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Getting there, right? Tim. But yeah, so that that was uh, I I understand his frustration. I mean, that was the best weekend he'd had of the of the season going. He out qualified Leclerc for the first time, was having a good race because he also with Russell pitted before yep. that red flag and got completely hosed by that stupid rule and drove his way back up to fourth and was on course for a good points all and whatever. And uh, yeah, it's a weird call. So he falls out of the points. Ferrari leaves with no points on the weekend to just add insult to injury that is the 2023 season for them. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't and get then, it. You can be penalized for something that didn't happen. And then the fascinating part is to what's come out after all of this, when apparently the FIA decides just to not count certain things. Right. Felipe, Felipe Massa is launching an investigation into his 2008. Yes. 2008 years ago, 15 years ago, his world championship loss to Lewis Hamilton, which was one by one point. Where in Philippe's mind, Felipe, his mind, 
that Singapore race where Nelson PK crashed on purpose and there was crash gave up. Well, based on the FIA and their current actions and rulings should deem that race to not count, which would mean Philippe is the title or is the, is the world champion. Yeah. So, what's the statute of limitations on appealability right. in F1? Cause I feel like it's gotta be less than 15 years. Right. And the, the other issue I think with that one is in this case, they reverted back to a previous lap and then continued on with the race. They there was only one lap left race. in the race and it was under yellow. So nobody could change positions. Yeah. In, in the, the crash gate thing, I think he crashed on like lap 17 or something. So you mm-hmm. still had 40. You can't undo well, 40 and, laps and, of and, racing. And the fascinating thing is he wants it undone, not because the PK thing necessarily hurt him. It's because when that crash happened, everyone pitted and Felipe left with the fuel hose still in. Right. And he ended up finishing 13th because of all the penalties that can't right. go along. He should have won the well, race. Right. But. Well, okay, yes. This person intentionally crashed and it caused this knock-on effect. But you, you left still, with the hose you in. still <laughs> screwed up pit lane. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you can you can leave with the hose still in and win Texas. So. Uh, Fontana. Or Fontana. Right. Fontana, sorry. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. While we're talking about race control and consistencies and penalties not being applied properly, Fontana 2015, uh, which maybe segues nicely into Texas 2023. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. So Texas, um, well, hang on. Do we want to just talk about the race in general first? Do we need to pause oh, for you to take that? No, 
I'll call him back. Oh, I really want you to take it live on air. Um, Alex is just in the middle of getting an interesting phone call. It's weirdly topical to this uh, this discussion. Okay, no. So let's talk about the race in general. We That's went what to I was Texas. Talk about yeah. yeah. So we went to Texas with a few changes, two very important changes to make the race way less garbage than it's been since 2017. And those two changes were IndyCar adding a not insignificant amount of downforce to the cars. Um, and then NASCAR not using any kind of PJ1 or resin or whatever substance they wanted to spray down in the second lane that they have been doing for the last five years that just ruins that second lane for IndyCar. Um, they didn't do it this year. So between those two things, a half hour high line practice where every car had to go out with a new set of tires and just run in the second lane led to what is widely being considered as the most entertaining oval race in IndyCar since Fontana 2015, oddly enough. So Alex, from your seat, a success in terms of those decisions and factors making the racing better and all the rest of it? I thought Texas was absolutely perfect. I would not, I would run that race in that spec and that configuration with the Highline practice still as a kind of unspoken requirement, not you don't actually have to, but kind of everyone buys into it. Um, I would do that to infinity. I would, I would, I would, I would not honestly change a single thing about that race. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know if that is realistic because people can't help themselves, but after a lot of years of pain, I have to give immense credit to really three entities. One is willpower for his incessant kind of suggestion of we have to run the high line to rubber it in and to get guys up there to get them confidence with it. And we have to have their own session. People aren't just going to do it in practice. Yeah. And you, so, you were kind of skeptical about that at first, right? Sure. Two, I was yeah. Two firestone buying in and allowing us to have an extra set of tires in order to do said session firestone buying in and finally allowing IndyCar at the, at the begging and pleading of all of the drivers to add a significant chunk of downforce because for a lot of, for, for, for quite a few years, IndyCar understood that there was a downforce issue with the, a, the PJ one and B the reconfiguration of the track, C the kind of car with the aero screen. They, they realized that, you know, we needed more downforce, but Firestone has to look at things from their side, which is obviously performance, but also reliability standpoint, you know, Texas, highest speed track we go to outside of Indianapolis. They can't have tires failing. I get it. I feel like they were a little slow maybe to allow IndyCar to, to add on the downforce, but they got there and they did the research and the studies and everything. So hats off to Firestone. And then hats off to, to IndyCar for continuing to push Texas Motor Speedway mm -hmm. into like trying to have some sort of we matter too. Yes, NASCAR is a bigger event. Yes, NASCAR draws in more people, whatever. But you're putting all of this effort and money into having us come. The NASCAR show isn't really that good either right now. Like you need to also like make our, we have to matter a little bit. 
And so I think that the culmination of all of those factors allowed this race to be essentially perfect. Like, yes, it was a cool day. Had it been 88 degrees, would it be like that? Maybe not. But I think that from where we came from, from basically 2018 all the way through 2022 to what we had in 2023 was exactly what IndyCar racing should be at an oval. And I think um, I loved every second of it, even though I was seven laps down. A lot of drivers that I talked to, um, whether they had been used to kind of classic IndyCar stuff or were fairly new to the series, loved it. I don't think anyone felt that it was unsafe. Um, it was just hard side-by-side racing that was pack-ish, but not, it wasn't easy. So you weren't like in someone's gearbox. There were still these gaps that existed where you felt comfortable that if someone had a wiggle or whatever, moved up a little bit, that you would still be in a position that you could not crash and die. Yeah, when, when people were talking about like a pack race, like feeling a little bit packy and you know, I, I kind of, I kind of said to them, I'm like, well, yeah, you're looking at the last 20 laps where we had a bunch of cautions and everybody was on brand new tires, low fuel, 20 to go. The tracks rubbered in. You forget half an hour earlier when Pato had lapped every car, but second place, there were two cars yeah. on the lead lap. And you're trying to tell me that it was a pack race. So it was funny. I was actually chatting with um, Nathan Brown from the Indy Star, and we started drawing all the parallels between this and the 2016 race because it was very similar in 2016. There were three cars on the lead lap before a bunch of late cautions with new tires, and that led to that you know awesome five-car fight for the win. That seemed very packed racing-ish, but you can't hide it for the first 10, 15 laps. Like New tires make everybody feel like Superman, right? But, but let me... So I... I didn't really participate in the 16 race um, from a performance standpoint, but I did in the 17 race, which the 17 race started out in the beginning of a stint is, is very, very packy. And this had a, had a different feel to it because mm-hmm. it wasn't packy flat. Like you weren't just lit for 25 laps right. on someone's gearbox, kind of like there's unlimited grip, just you could do whatever you want. There was still this balance of you had to drive it, you could be flat if you were the first two cars, maybe the fourth car on the outside if you could get a bit high to kind of lane two and a half. But other than that, you were still lifting and you were still a little bit grip limited from the front tire. So like there was still a nice balance of you could follow, both lanes were usable, but it it wasn't just a locked and cocked, every single car flat, just For painting sure. the white line type thing. For sure. So For sure. I thought I thought it was it was awesome. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the driving standards, honestly, Very good. aside from from Devlin's issue, which I don't know if he didn't know he was broken or not. Like I thought, the driving standards were phenomenal. Um, yeah, with one glaring exception, it was an amazing race. <laughs> Tim's just obsessed, isn't he? <laughs> uh, so hold on. Before I, know, I mean, I, like I really loved. I was a. It was an entertaining race. I have I have a question for you though. So, okay, let's ignore the fact that the future of Texas Motor Speedway is very much up in the air. Uh, they have said that they're waiting for the Cup race in October before they make any decisions on: Are we going to resurface it? Are we going to reprofile it? Are we going to knock it down and make it a shorter track? Yeah. Lots of things that you know. Which 
two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, I was like, yeah, do any or all of those things because the current everything sucks. Now we finally figured it out and we have a proper mile and a half oval on the IndyCar schedule. We need another one, but we've got one that works now. We, it works again. It would be so devastating to lose it. So I let's ignore, yeah. it would be so bad. Okay, so let's ignore that as a possibility. We're going back next year. Everything, everything else is the same. You brought up a point that I think is very valid and it's very important to bring up. The conditions were ideal mm-hmm. from a weather standpoint. It was cool, but sunny. Track temp didn't really get that hot. Ambient was nice and cool. Gives you more downforce. The tires last longer. All that stuff. So the next day, Monday, considerably warmer. Mm-hmm. Very bright, very sunny, very hot. Would have had a big impact on the grip of the cars. Mm-hmm. So IndyCar tries to, because the teams request it, and I certainly understand it, set the downforce uh, options and level weeks in advance, you know, whatever the number is, two weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, to give the engineers time to go through all the simulations and figure out best X, Y, Z, whatever. Okay. It's very hard to predict what the temperature is going to be two to four weeks in advance. Right. Do you think as a series, we should investigate like making that call on a Thursday saying like, here are three options. Here is the ambient from 60 to 70 downforce level. Here's the ambient from 70 to 80 downforce level. And here's the ambient 90 plus downforce level. We're going to select an option on Thursday. Cause like, let's be honest, we're not developing new aero parts. We've had the same bits for friggin' ever. Everybody knows what to do. It doesn't really upset the Apple card if they don't know until Thursday what we're running. And And I think we have the potential to do that for next year. And the reason for that is assuming Indianapolis goes as I would expect. So for Indy for the first time, they're allowing us to put the rear wing angle all the way up to plus six. Whereas before, so positive six degrees nose down. So in that that wing has a range of minus nine to positive six. So it's got 15 degrees of, of tunability. Prior, what does that affect? Well, it's just it's downforce. 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 Got it. So yeah. prior to this year, the maximum you could do in a race is plus two. And so at the begging of, honestly, myself, I was like, it was, it, it was you. I've been, I've been told specifically from someone high up in any car, be like, you can thank Alex for this. Like, we don't, we don't need to develop anything new for Indy to try and make Indy better. You have four degrees of wing built sitting there. Just so let us use it. Why this is important is everybody would just run the maximum amount. They'd run plus two because we didn't have enough downforce. The cars were too sketchy in traffic, made passing hard, all that stuff. The other thing, so so by opening it up and letting drivers and teams decide if they want to do anywhere from plus two to plus six, you're, you're controlling your downforce level. But remember, at the Speedway, downforce doesn't come for free. It comes at the cost of top speed, of drag. And so now, rather than everybody just being pinged to max downforce and running around at the exact same speed, you're going to have varying levels because plus six is a very draggy option. Yeah, it gives you a bunch more downforce, but it is going to slow you down. So now you're going to have cars running at plus two. You're going to have cars running at plus four. You're going to have cars at five and six. So it's what it, it should just, be. It's what it should be. You should have to decide. You should have to take a risk, roll the dice. Am I going for downforce entire you life? Be able to, you should be able to make a call on the last stop, trim to win. Like exactly just right. take the rear wing out and go for right. it. So my, my, point adjust, of, my, yeah. my point of bringing that up is I think – assuming that that goes fine, which it will, 
for Texas, you have that. You don't have to come with a new component that's going to take engineers right. a bunch of time to simulate. You can just be like, okay, if it's 60 to 70, it's plus twos max, 70, 80 is plus four, 80, 90 is plus right. six, right? Because so I, think, I think we do have the tools to do that going forward. Because we, 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 know how, we know how the math works. So basically, you look at what the cars were producing downforce-wise with the conditions, how they were on Sunday, and just aim for that target. So right. if it's cooler, mm-hmm. take a little bit off. If it's hotter, add a little bit on. And that's, that's the target ambient corrected downforce number that we should shoot for, all, all else being equal, which it should be. And we, there's no reason you're not going to have another banger race. Right. And, and the other thing is, like, if it gets hotter and you correct downforce wise, you add another element in there of like, you're still going to have the same race, but there's going to be more dig. Right. So, like, again, it'll separate the good cars from the, the not so good cars. Okay. So, let me ask you this 100 to go, whatever it was, maybe less than that. Pato is lapped up to second place. And he's about to lap. Well, no, sorry. Joseph was, yeah. He, they lapped lap below. Yeah. Two cars in the lead lap. Let's say we don't have any more cautions for the rest of the race. Yeah. And those two finish one, two, eight seconds apart and a lap ahead of everybody else. Are we still sitting here and saying, what a race that was. That was great, man. We really figured out Texas. Or are we I, saved I do, by I do, the fact yeah. there was a late yellow, a couple late yellows no, that mixed up tires and no, brought people because I, I think the race was, was still, I watched it. Hey, believe it or not. I think it was still entertaining. <laughs> That's a first for you, isn't it? Even, even though that was happening. <laughs> And because, yes, those were just two dominant cars, right? Like, are we trying to change, not to talk about this, but, oh, I'm not going to bring up myself. Are we, well, we are changing Laguna. Um, are we changing Long Beach? Because two years there in a row there, I won by 20 seconds. No. Right. Like, sometimes there's just a dominant car. And it just so happened that at Texas, Pato and Joseph were just two dominant cars. But there was still phenomenal racing all the way through the race, up and down the field, People were able to drive wherever they wanted. It was it was still a good race. Yeah. Um, no, I don't disagree. Yeah. yeah. So I think, uh, again, hats off to all involved uh, for making it happen. Um, to those of you that can put your hats back on, instead of hats off as congratulations, put your hats back off. Ah, back oh, on. Got it. I was confused. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you're making sure. fun of me for not wearing a hat. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I left it in Texas with my debit um, card. Where do, where do I begin, James? So we, okay. we well, qualified third. Yeah. Errol McLaren, I mean, wow. First, third, fifth, three cars in the top five in an IndyCar qualifying session is pretty Stout. impressive. Yeah. Stout. Um, so the car from lap one was just, I mean, pr- perfect honestly like there's there's really it's the first time ever in my career where like i didn't change anything like at all like we just drove around with the same race car and changed wing angles depending on the trim level like god it's so nice eh? oh my god you roll off the truck and you're just making like a little bit of wing maybe 100 pounds of spring no not even that just like do you do you want to change anything Uh uh-uh what do you need honestly nothing Let's just go race. Like lunch. Yeah. I mean, let's just yeah. let's call it let's call it a day and just get ready for tomorrow. Yeah. It's like fine. I mean, we can maybe shorten six gear if you want. Like just I don't do really care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like big, big shout out to the team for for the prep that obviously goes into to making that possible. Um start of the race, 
you know, happened, we were, um, you know, we were okay. We were a little bit out of the window with aero balance, um, but it was fine. You know, we're kind of running around in fifth and, you know, I thought our cars in terms of tire day, obviously Pato proved that, um, were, were exceptional. So I wasn't too concerned about, you know, not being up front immediately. Like I knew that, um, the race was going to be a long, but B like tire life was going to be something that, that became a factor. And quite honestly, in the first stint, I was just trying to get to the first pit stop because as we've talked about the past three years, I haven't even really gotten to do that. Well, this year got I got, to the, I got there. I didn't get out of it <laughs> per se. Um, so first yellow comes out. Um, we're in fifth. Uh, Pato, I think, was second. Felix was sixth or seventh. And um, coming to pit lane under yellow, get in, great stop, leaving with Dixon. And um, all that I'm told is stay inside and go type thing. And so launch from the pit box. And next thing I know, um, the pink... AutoNation 27 Andretti Autosport car is kind of in front of me, on top of me, and then stopped sideways. And I have a bent toe link um, and a broken front wing, which honestly, the, the toe link was a shame because it was under yellow. So if all we had to do was pull me back, put a front wing on and restart the car, I would have just gone to the back of the line. Would have been kind of no harm, no foul. I mean, whatever still Some plenty harder. of time i mean texas is like texas this year like it was back to when qualifying didn't really matter like we had you a car that i could have moved up no problem wouldn't have been a big deal toe link put us um five or six laps down replacing that team did a great job but somehow they got the toe back to like what it should have been so like the that's was so great. that's so impressive amazing like, on an oval if you're a millimeter out on something like that yeah. you feel it i was fully expecting it to be a piece and i was like yeah that's yeah, actually mega so good job guys so again huge shout out to them and then where it gets very confusing is i'm obviously pissed off at kyle um, which I think is rightfully so. You, James, have driven these cars before. For for those that you know drive your Tahoes, Escalades, Blazers, whatever, you know, we don't have blind spot detection systems. We don't have side cameras. We don't have anything. We can pretty much see in front of us and a little bit beyond to the right or left of our tires, but that's about it. The rest you're relying on the people on the stand, your spotter and other people just not to hit you. And so I get sent, I stay in the slow lane. Kyle comes from the fast lane, which there's been plenty of debate about whether that's allowed or not. And while we're on that topic, the the issue is not whether or not it's allowed or not. The, the issue is this is the kind of unspoken etiquette to what is supposed to happen. And the transition lane exists for cars leaving their box and coming into their box. You do not have to pit from the high lane. But and yes, I, I, re I seem to recall from drivers meetings in the past. Oh, race director. Yes. Whether I, I don't know saying you cannot decelerate. Correct. From the fast, but, lane. but it is not written in the rule book. So by the rule book, this is what I'm saying. 
Again, goes back to the, this is the understood rule and common sense. Okay. I have an example of later on in that race, for those that want to watch on replay on Peacock, it's uh, one hour and 11 minutes in. Joseph was leaving his pit box and I was trying to come into mine and I just made the conscious decision that I'm just not going to hit a car today. I don't know what to tell you. So this, this is all what happened. And, and Kyle's response is fine because again, what he's saying is according to the rule book, I didn't break any rules. Sure. That's fine. According to common sense, you don't hit cars. Like, so like everyone else that pitted from the fast lane didn't crash into someone. So that's not the point. The point isn't that everyone else pitted from the outside lane. It's the inside lane. It's well, they did that with success. So I don't were know there, what, were there were there a lot of other examples of guys pulling in from the fast lane. There was, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. But again, they didn't hit anyone, so it's kind of right. null and void because it's not a commandable rule that you have to pit from the transition lane. There's a couple. There's a couple important things to like consider in all of this, right? So, first again, being, let me just. Yeah, I want sorry. you to say that. I don't. My frustration is ten percent with Kyle. 90% with, with the God. rule book and the way it's written. Eh. My frustration is the penalty that was later applied that we will get to after the point that you make. I just want to be clear that Kyle, I believe, made a mistake. I don't think Kyle did anything malicious. I don't think Kyle did anything blatant. I think, honestly, Brian Herta is equally as responsible as Kyle for maybe, I don't know what was said, but like maybe giving, if Kyle didn't know I was leaving, giving him a heads up that the car's, being Polo, Dixon, and myself right in front of him are going to be leaving. I mean, that may give him a bit more situational awareness of what's happening. I don't think Kyle did anything fundamentally wrong or malicious. I just think he was a little bit misguided. I think he was a little bit late turning into his pit box. I think there's a lot of little small factors that ultimately added up in both of us coming together. it's the Titanic effect, right? It's like, we've talked about this flying. <laughs> it was a, a series of very small decisions or situations that right. in isolation have zero consequence, but all added up together leads to this. So for the people at home that are saying, well, it's the job of your outside front guy to know who's pitting where, what, when, why, how, all that stuff to send you to that. I'll say there's a photograph online where, as so that that guy's job is to look down pit lane see who's in the transition lane who might be a threat right at the moment you're pulling out of your box kyle is still a hundred percent in the fast lane kyle was not the box right in front of you so like that's normally the car that the outside front has to have a a situational awareness of so when you talk um, about pre-event meetings you have these crossover numbers that you talk about and it's the box in front of you not behind you not three down. Right. So, so anyone trying to say, like, Oh, well, it's the responsibility of the outside front tire changer to do that. Yeah, it is. But in the, in the information he had available to him, there was nothing to tell him that it was not clear to send you. Right. And then the other thing is fine. I, I get the way the rules written. I get that when there's so, so a penalty comes if there's contact between two cars in pit lane, regardless, that is just fact. Um, and I actually, I actually support that part of the rule. I think pit lane is super dangerous. That's, that's, that's absolutely <clears throat> naive so if, to say though, that is wrong. That because if two now, cars come together, a penalty should be applied. Yes. Because what is the, what, what, what's that doing? 
Based on that logic, I should have just plowed into Joseph to get him a penalty. Pato would have won the race. And we are now crashing cars with exposed personnel. That is insane to say. Well, no, because if you hit him, you'd get the penalty. Well, apparently not. not. Apparently not. Well, no, because again, hold on, hold on. No, like, but no, no. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't think anyone in their right or wrong mind is going to hit a car intentionally in pit lane to outcome to affect the outcome of a race. That's insane. Not to out, affect the outcome of a race, but James, what you're saying is, if two and, cars come together, somebody should get penalized. I'm not saying if a, if a car takes avoiding action, me, yeah, stops to not hit them when they are launched directly into my path. That car, you're saying, should not get an unsafe release penalty because I made the decision to no, not crash. No, 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 no. I didn't say that there are, that only when there's contact, there well, should no, be No, that penalty. is what you said. No, no, I said no. every time there's contact, there should be a penalty. Very different. Okay. Very different. Yeah. So the fact that two cars came together in pit lane, that risks all the personnel over pit wall. There are exposed human beings there. So I think if two cars touch, a penalty should be applied. That's what I'm saying, okay? The way the rule's written, they give priority to the cars on the, you know, on pit lane, whether you're in the transition lane or the fast lane. So I see how IndyCar connected the dots per the writing of the rule to ultimately give you a penalty. So, but, but here's... With, uh, we don't need to get too into the weeds on, on any more detail because people have talked about this enough. What really was even more of a kick in the because ultimately I understand why your logic is saying that if there's contact in pit lane, there needs to be a penalty in that exact situation, because ultimately that exact situation in a lot of ways was a racing incident. I still place the majority of responsibility on the 27 stand and Kyle. But again, it was not a malicious thing. It wasn't intentional. For sure not. No, no, for I sure I don't not. think there was anything that was, that was premeditated. No. I don't think my team did anything wrong either. It was a combination of things that happened. Correct. I agree. What then came out last night in terms of IndyCar changing the penalty from an unsafe release to avoidable contact on me took the penalty from being a penalty against myself, Brian Barnhart, who calls the release from pit lane on the radio, and Todd Phillips, my outside guy, to solely on me. And that I do not understand. I that truly I yeah, so not understand. Yeah, I, I don't think most people know that this happened. So walk, walk through what, what happened in that sense. So well, on the, on I, the I, don't day, even, I don't even know what happened because I didn't get a phone call explaining what happened. All I got was Jenna Fryer's tweets about what happened. So Oh, interesting. Oh, oh, hilarious. So it went from being an unsafe release, which is three people are involved in that, to Alex should see Kyle coming. Alex f***ed it up. Remember the part where I just said that you literally couldn't have possibly seen him until you guys hit? I don't know what this is. How, I don't understand why Why are they digging themselves a hole here. The penalty's already been applied. The, your race is already ruined. Everything's already happened. People are already mad. By, by retroactively changing, like, what did we accomplish with that? Except just fire people back up. That's an, 
I can I can see how they got to unsafe release, even yeah, if I don't agree. I don't with agree that. with it, but I can see how they got there. For right. How the also, written. right. I yeah. don't. I don't. I'm so blown away by this. I'm so blown away by that. Remember at the and top of the show when I poured myself an entire Glencairn and bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Yeah. That is. So, anyways, uh, that's really all I have to say on the matter. It is what it is. Ultimately, IndyCar did not change the end result of my race. It was a real shame to not be able to take part in it. Obviously, a shame that Kyle couldn't take part in it either. I think um, there was a lot of really good cars out there. There was a, it was a lot of fun, a lot of really high driving standards. And again, I do commend IndyCar. And like I said at the beginning, it was a lot of effort to get here. And I think they did a really good job. We just have some other finer details to look at post. <laughs> Texas weekend. Man, we've come a long way from uh you want to talk about that race? Sure don't. <laughs> Times they are changing. Uh so also By the way, if this if this episode is if you're listening right now and this episode's 20 minutes, I want you to know we cut a lot out. <laughs> <laughs> you just went back and found the sound file of Alex saying sure don't for middle high yeah. last year and subject. <laughs> um no, okay, so uh, so End of the race, Joseph wins because of a caution that comes out with two to go. Grosjean lost the car out of two. Such a bummer because it was it was going to be one of those awesome Texas cross-the-line finishes. Um, you, you definitely feel for Pato. You know, he dominated the race. It's, again, I, I, can, I can uniquely feel for him because it's very similar to my 2016 uh, race there. But huge credit to Pelot. I thought Alex did a really, really good job. Probably his best oval race ever. Certainly his best since the 521. Uh, old Dave Malukas just up there mixing mm. it up, driving with the big guys, driving well, re- intelligently, respectfully. I mean, you you mentioned it earlier, but I don't want to underline. I think Joseph said it in his in his interview. Pato said it as well. The respect out there was really awesome to see. And it's funny because, you know, we're coming off last week where we were saying how NASCAR drivers are talking about how they don't respect each other and whatever. Um, and look, in the last five years, we've had a lot of incidents in IndyCar where we could make the exact same argument. But this was a really cool display of a lot of drivers, like you said, who haven't really come from that type of oval racing and that style of of on-track action. A lot of respect, a lot of lane integrity, uh, a lot of room left for guys. And so it was It was really fun to see, and it was a hell of a show, for sure. And then a final shout-out. I, I don't know... I don't know how he does it, but I also, I would encourage a lot of young drivers. If you don't have the budget to go single seater racing, go drive a touring car. Because according to Scott McLaughlin and Augusto Campino or however Augustine you say his name. Augustine Campino, man. What an absolute, I, I, I didn't know where un- you were going with this. I was going to follow up with the same point. Yeah. Unreal. So Never like, seen an oval track in his life. He He's obviously awesome. But then I, there must be some sort of crossover that exists between a tin top. James and I didn't find it, but these guys, these guys, these guys certainly have. So, I mean, obviously we've talked about what Scott's done and, and how quickly he's adapted, but like, I would argue that Augustine has adapted even quicker. Like it's, it's unbelievable to see like the results that he's putting up. Yeah. Absolutely mind boggling. He hadn't even sat in an open wheel car until like January this year. Impresses at Thermal, impressed the hell out of us at St. Pete. Shows up to Texas. No idea what you're going to expect there. Smallest team on. I mean, 
a, a much better funded team than it has been in the past, but right. still only its second full season, first year with two cars, his first time on an oval. How qualifies Indy 500 winners, champions, whatever, yep. and then finishes 12th. Like unbelievable. Stays crazy. out of trouble. Like, yeah. you know, not finished all the laps because he was on the lead lap, but like ran to the end, incident yeah. free. Yeah. Could not agree more. That was an absolute. Not a whole lot of people on the lead lap. Not a whole lot of people, even after all the yellows at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, it was an action-packed weekend on track. We didn't. We're not even going to touch on the cup race because we were too busy to watch it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, honestly, think, who cares? I think Larson won. He did. Um, and uh, Josh Berry filling in for old Chase Elliott finished second. So did he really? Oh, good, good for him. Like that's awesome. Big big result. So that's cool. Yeah, it's great. Good for him. Um, yeah, I just I literally didn't have time to do it. Uh, but next week. IndyCar's off. It's Easter, guys. I hope everybody has a lovely Easter, if that's what you do. I get to and go to the White House with IndyCar, so I'm pretty excited about that. What that's are you doing at the neat. White House with IndyCar? Well, They're breaking in. I will uh, tell you about it next <laughs> week, but it's pretty cool. So, there's, uh, there's a map on the back of a document, and, <laughs> and Alex right. and Arnie are going to find it. <laughs> all right, Nicholas Cage, relax. <laughs> well, cool. So, yes, uh, not a lot of, there's no F1 next week, there's no any car next week, but uh, tune in to hear all about Alex's adventures at the White House. Hell yeah. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Fim. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.